All right, everyone. Welcome back to our Money Con Ganas podcast. Again, um, myself, Francisco, we have Joasim and Martin. Um, Ruben was able to join us for this recording, but he will be in um, future ones. But again, we started this podcast really to be able to talk everything money. Um, a lot of these conversations that we're having, we felt that other people would also want to have and were important. So we'll be talking about crypto investing, how we grew up and how we were raised with money, um, issues with money, um, wins, um, challenges, etc. cetera. Um, again, this is the second episode to our cryptocurrency series. And we had the first one a week ago or so, and it was just a very brief introduction to Bitcoin. Again, not financial advice by any means, but it's just mainly to educate as much as possible to bring information to as many people as possible, especially in this new emerging space. What we want to do in this second episode is we want to go more into just a very quick um, episode on how to attain Bitcoin, how to store it, what does hot cold wallets mean, what does um, Coinbase, uh, Binance, etc. do. And going off of that, we're going to start off with uh, just how do you get Bitcoin, right? And let's start off with any exchanges. And, and for anyone there um, listening, an exchange is just a place where you could find all magnitudes of coins, including Bitcoin, um, Litecoin, Ethereum, et cetera, all the way to meme coins such as Dogecoin. And you could purchase them, you could trade for them. Um, some exchanges allow you to obtain these coins with US dollars and other exchanges do not allow um, for a bank transfer or like for you to deposit money. So you'll have to get a coin and then trade for a different um, token or coin, whatever it may be. Um, we'll get more into details, but um, I don't know if Jocelyn or Martin, you wanna maybe start off with um, maybe the easiest one, right? Coinbase, right? I think that's a, an exchange that's the most easily accessible to, to everyone because it is a link to your bank account. It is an app that you can have on your phone. It is a web browser as Justin has put up on the screen that you can easily um, sign up for, create an account. So I don't know if you would just want to give a, a little bit of details on that one and then maybe just roll on into um, Binance I see, I see up there. Yeah, so um, for Coinbase, it, it's like you said, one of the easiest ones or I, I personally I find it to be one of the most user-friendly. Um, it's also probably you know, if you're a beginner, um, you will feel probably more comfortable going through um, uh, Coinbase at, at the, this point. Uh, personally, that that's what I did. Um, it also, Coinbase, at least from what I've used it, it also allows you and informs you in some of the, the tokens or coins that they have available. So it's also in a way for you to also earn a couple of the coins, if anything, uh, or rewards. Um, by, you know, signing up and learning, watching some videos, things like that. Um, so that's my, my experience so far with, with Coinbase. Um, for the second one that we have, it, it's Binance. And if anything, actually, I heard about Binance through Francisco. So Francisco, do you have any additional insights that, that you would like to share? Yeah, so actually, um, as you can see at the top of the screen, Binance.us, that was um, started maybe in terms of regulations, pushing anyone in the U.S. market to use this 
um, version of Binance. There's a Binance Worldwide and they have a lot more options and tokens available. Um, Binance US is a little bit more restricted in that regards, but um, Binance is the biggest exchange um, that we can use. And this exchange has the majority of coins and tokens that people are aware of um, that are emerging. If it's on Binance, it's a very good likelihood that the projects or the, the tokens are on the bigger scale in terms of what they represent. But that's not always the case. So you always do, do have to do your research. Um, the way I see Coinbase is more of like, a, I don't know, Robinhood or Acorn, right? It's a, a newer player in the space, but it's meant to be very easy to use, right? Like you could go on there, it's very intuitive. Um, Binance allows you to have a lot more flexibility and a lot more um, trade options that might not be available on Coinbase. And so for this, you might want to do a little bit more research in terms of like what it is, what it entails. You do have to do uh, like know your user, which means that you'll have to submit like um, documentation so that they could verify who you are. Um, I, don't, I believe Coinbase does this too. I feel like all yeah. the exchanges in the U.S. do this. So just be aware that when you are signing up for this, they might ask you for like your license or like your passport, et cetera, to like verify that you are who you say you are and you can't just like buy these coins um, anonymously, which a lot of people have that misconception. So a lot of these exchanges do verify who you are and that takes uh, the anonymity away. So Binance, the, the bigger exchange, right? A lot more coins, it has a lot more features. Um, Coinbase is just a, a lot easier to use in terms of like beginners. You could just buy Bitcoin. You could put in $100 and trade it for Bitcoin um, instantly. So I think a lot of those features are getting people to sign up and then be able to utilize this space. So um we have these exchanges. I think the next thing I just want to quickly or briefly mention is that this is not the only way to like get Bitcoin or Ethereum, et cetera. There's also ATMs. It's not uh, the most cost-friendly option, right? Um, they have a little bit higher fees, but in this case, if you go on Google Maps, you could quickly search like Bitcoin ATM. Um, you could find one. I mean, I found like, 10, 15 within like 10, 15 minutes away from me, which is um, a good amount. And for those, yeah, you can just take cash. You'll put in your cash like an ATM and then it'll transfer whatever amount you bought into a wallet, right? And this wallet is what's actually going to hold you, um, your cryptocurrency. Um, the other one, so we have the exchanges, then we have ATMs and what Bitcoin essentially started, what the white paper mentions is this peer-to-peer, -peer, right? So I could send Martin $20 for something that I owe him for. Or I could send Joasim another $50 for something he bought or like we, we split dinner, et cetera. So peer-to-peer, -peer, right? So that means I could send you um, cryptocurrency just like Zelle, just like Venmo, um, it's just a different kind of avenue, right? It's a, you could do Lightning Wallet on Bitcoin, which is almost instantly. You could do Ethereum. I know Martin paid for like a haircut a couple of uh, weeks ago in um, Ethereum. I paid for a haircut uh, maybe a month ago in Bitcoin. 
um, the fee for like sending Bitcoin was like a, a fraction of a penny. So there's that, like you could, you could utilize this um, from peer to peer. And that's another way to be able to acquire or trade off or sell off um, some cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. And just real quick, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, the, the important thing to know is that you might think, why the fuck would I want to send like pay for something in Bitcoin or sense like, what the fuck is the point of that? Well, the key thing to note is that it's all decentralized and like Francisco said, peer to peer. So there's no one central entity that is in control and monitoring your shit. So if you're like super, like you're one of those people that cares about that, that's perfect for you, you know? Um, and it's like, it's, it's, you're basically kind of outside the traditional finance system, but you're, it's, it's still like a way to transact with each other. Um, that's all I wanted to point out. No. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's almost like, the digital way for people that love paying in cash to not have to pay with a credit card or with their bank. You just pay with crypto. Um, it's very easy to do. It's almost instantly, but you don't have that risk of carrying a few hundred dollars in your pocket that you can lose, that you can drop, et cetera. Um, you could have it on your phone, on apps. You could have physical um, keys, which is just an encryption coded um, wallet that holds crypto um, you could have it on your laptop etc so it does facilitate that and i feel a lot of people that do have that i need to pay in cash i need to pay with cash that's the closest thing i could sense it it's just digital cash you don't have to have a credit card a, a venmo account or anything and it's pretty seamless um, the other thing is going back to what martin said a lot of people do mention this why would you pay with bitcoin when you don't know if the price might go up or down um, and a lot of the times is because you might already are going to spend this money, right? If I'm going to spend $50, like it doesn't matter if I'm going to spend it in Bitcoin or if I'm going to spend it in dollars, like I'm not going to think of like, oh, I spent $50 now and then now it's worth $100. Like for me, it's like I was going to spend the $50 regardless, but it's just a easy, convenient way for me to use that money and for me to send that money. And yeah, you do take that risk of like there might be volatility and it might um, go down or it might not be as high as what you initially thought it was but that's also a risk in terms of like if you're a holder of like oh if i take this money i know that either i cash out at the same price or i'll wait it out it's not something that i need immediately so for me if someone is sending me crypto i'll hold on to it and i'll make sure that it has increased in value before i like go out and like spend it so there are like different arguments and we'll get into those in future episodes, but that is one of the things of like that does come up when, when people are thinking about um, their Bitcoin or like why they would pay with um, crypto, et cetera. Um, so Martina um, or Joasim, I don't know if one of you wants to just kind of briefly explain what, uh, like how do you store your cryptocurrency? Like, you know, what's a hot wallet versus a cold wallet? Now, some people may have not even heard of this. So it's just uh, like, what does that mean? What What is a cold or hot wallet in crypto? Yeah, I don't mind uh, taking the lead on that. So basically a hot wallet is just, we say hot because it's connected to the internet. Um, so if you want somewhat of a safer way to store your crypto um, and not just have it on an exchange, because in the past we've had, we have had exchange hacks uh, but that's that, that's happened like years ago. Like the most famous one was in 2014, the Mount Gox hacks, hack, which was like Mount Gox was the biggest exchange of that time. And it was hacked for a certain amount of Bitcoin, a lot actually. But since then, the security and technology has improved so much that 
honestly, if you're just getting into it, that doesn't really fucking matter, to be honest. You could just have it on Coinbase or Binance.us, whatever. Like, those are very reputable exchanges with the most, with huge volumes. Like, it, they're institutional grade. Like, institutions use them as well. So, uh, I, honestly, and studies show most retail traders have their Bitcoin and all their, their altcoins on exchanges anyway. But if you really are paranoid about security, like I am and probably others here, um, then you want to have like a, a safer way to store your shit. So uh, basically a hot wallet is like, you can doubt the most famous one is like MetaMask. I don't know if you want to pull that up, Justin, real quick. Um, there's also Coinbase wallet. These are just like uh, just ways of technically storing your your crypto there. But you might ask what's the difference between an exchange and, a, and that kind of wallet. Really, there isn't much of a difference other than Exchanges are a little bit riskier, so it is a little safer to have it in a hot wallet. But even then, hot wallets, um, it's they're still hot, right? They're still connected to the internet. So as long as they're connected to the network somehow, then they're always vulnerable to be hacked. Um, but again, this is very unlikely to happen now. Uh, regardless, real quick, I will also mention as it relates to exchanges, I do all of my trading on decentralized exchanges or what we call DEXs for short. Right, we talked about Coinbase, Binance earlier. Those are sexes, centralized exchanges. I do all of my trading on DEXs, um, uh, and basically for those, you have to import them into a hot wallet. Um, uh, so I use like MetaMask as well as Coinbase wallet. Um, I don't know if you want to pull up like uh, Uniswap. That's the pretty much like the de the decentralized exchange I use. And you might say, why do you use like a decentralized exchange? So there's no not that I really care about this, but there's no like central entity that owns uh, this exchange. It was created by developers, uh, Uniswap Labs. Uh, Uniswap is basically a, an exchange where any new, new and upcoming project, they, uh, they list on there. So you can literally, uh, like any project that ever starts off and isn't as big yet, doesn't have a lot of funding to begin with, starts off here. And that's where I make the majority of my gains because in order for something to hit the major exchanges like Coinbase and Binance, they usually start off small, right? So by the time they list there, you've already missed out on the majority of gains. Um, so it's called Uniswap because you can swap literally any coin for any coin. Like it's it's not just paying with cash. It's you can swap your Ethereum for this. You can swap a random coin for another random coin. Um, but you have to note that Uniswap, uh, for example, runs on the Ethereum ecosystem. So you have to have some spare ETH to pay gas fees. Um, so I don't know yeah. if you want to, so that's, yeah. Hey Martin, I think this is, um, really cool and insightful and we'll probably just for people who think like, oh, this is too quick or we might not go into enough detail. Like we'll do yeah. another episode on more of like the decentralized exchanges and altcoins and what all that means. But yeah, like this is cool to, for folks to see that there are, there's like so many options out there, um, for like these hot wallets and, Uniswap, SushiSwap, et cetera, so that um, people could kind of under, start understanding. And um, yeah, we'll make those episodes and we'll go more into details. Um, Martin uses them a lot, so it'll be good to get his insight on that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Jossim or somebody else wanted to touch on cold wallets. Um, so yeah, so cold wallets are essentially, uh, at least that I know of, um, are physical wallets, right? So they don't look like, physical wallets but it could be the if if you remind me um francisco it's it's the nano right nano ledger um 
Yeah, yeah. So there's uh there's a multitude of them. There's uh, Ledger, there's Trezor, there's places where you can go and create uh, a wallet itself. Yep. And usually you want to have this offline. And this is basically what's going to hold your your crypto off the internet. Like uh, Martin was mentioning, hot wallets are online and they're um, on the internet. These are offline. Um, you do have like a seed phrase that you can use because if you do lose this um, little device that um, Martin was holding up, um, your crypto isn't just like gone or disappearing. Um, as long as you have that recovery phrase, then you'll still be able to, to get all of your crypto. So it's not living inside of this device. This device just gives you access to the actual um, coins or tokens that you may have. So you may have this to easily connect to like your computer or to um, send um, crypto back and forth, but it's not living inside of this. This just records it on the blockchain. So the blockchain could acknowledge that you do have this, that you own a certain amount of Bitcoin or Litecoin, whatever it may be. But if this device gets destroyed, it's not like your cryptocurrency is gone. So that's just something for people to understand that you do have a way to recover your cryptocurrency. And that's happened where there are cases of like people who've lost their hard drives or like their wallets, et cetera, and they haven't been able to recover them. So that is one of the trade-offs, right? So you have more security, but it might be way too secure to the point where you can't access it either. So you have to understand how they work, yeah. go into um, their websites, start understanding how these wallets function, like what you can do, how you can recover so that you're covering all your bases so that you don't lose your cryptocurrency that you are holding on. Which is why, like Martin says, sometimes keeping your crypto in like Coinbase wallet or MetaMask might be easier to recover or like you, you might have ways to, to get on there in case you forget your password. So that just comes at a little bit higher risk. That risk has been minimized um, in the last couple of years as um, the whole sector grows, security grows on all of these exchanges and um, hot wallets. But a lot of people who may have a bigger quantity may want to keep them um, separately. So just understand that you want to do your research. You want to understand how your wallet works. You want to have backups for these and follow the instructions. A lot of times is you write them down on physical paper and then you might put them in a safe. You might put them um, somewhere where you only you, only have, you access have access to them. And that way you'll be able to recover your crypto. And yeah. for beginners or people who are just starting off, this may not be easy to do or start with. But you don't have to because you could keep it on Coinbase wallet. You could keep it on Coinbase. It's fairly safe um, in terms of like what Coinbase offers. And that's what I feel like majority of people are going to start in terms of their crypto buying. Um, and the reason we've pointed these out and there are other places where you can buy crypto, such as Robinhood, PayPal. And for me, I don't personally like those exchanges because you don't physically own the um, coin so if you buy on Robinhood you can't take it out of Robinhood and like trade it or put it into a metal mask like uh, Martin was talking about I don't know if they changed that I know that was the case and 
and they would only let you keep it on Robinhood. Yeah. And there's a saying in the crypto world, and I forgot who kind of made this famous, but is not your keys, not your cheese, which means if you don't own the private keys to your crypto, it's not really yours. And Robinhood has had issues with like um, the way they run their business. So I would stay away from those um, places of like buying crypto. But if you do have any, then uh, just be aware that you may not be able to physically remove your Bitcoin from Robinhood into like Coinbase. Well, if you buy on like Coinbase or uh, any other exchange, you're, you're able to transfer it over. You could send it to people peer to peer. And because that's limited, it kind of defeats the purpose of what crypto is. So I would just make sure that you're able to access your crypto and not allow a company to kind of hold on to these things for you. Yeah. Um, then the other thing, too, that we wanted to uh, talk about, right, is uh, the different places where they could probably find, you know, information about, you know, these different coins, the, the different um, tokens. Um, and two of the, the websites that actually Martin and also uh, Francisco have shared with me in the past uh, is CoinGecko um, and then uh, crypto, uh, CoinMarketCap. Uh, so these are the two places. And so what they allow you, right, is they, they'll give you the list of all the different coins, um, you know, out there or projects out there. Um, and they just allow you to go and click on them and give you information, right, as to what's been happening um, throughout the day, for example. Also, like, historical information. Um, it also gives you links to... Um, the the white papers um you know information about where they're um listed you know the different exchanges available um so so yeah so these are like places where you can actually go ahead and you know inform yourself about you know what is going on with with that specific project at the time um so as you can see this is also coin market cap it's the same thing um in a way right so both of them are really helpful uh i'm not sure if there's specific features that you like um about either of them uh martin or francisco um i use these mainly just to see like how everything's going on like overview and like you can see crypto's not doing that great right now <laughs> so this is some of that volatility that we spoke about in the first episode right so I think in that first episode, Bitcoin was like at 68,000 and it's now hovering at 56,000. Um, I don't believe any of us are worried of like how crypto is currently um, sitting um, just because of the, the cycle in terms of like the bull market itself. But this is something to keep in mind that you might may have bought that week at like 60 plus and then now it's at like 56. So um, this is a good way to see like how the market is doing, um, new coins, um, also news or or where to find these coins. Like it'll it'll tell you on like what exchanges, and that's mainly my primary use for um, those two websites is just to see the state of like the market at, at that current moment. Um, I don't know, Martin or Jasim, if you have any um, closing statements. I know this is just a brief um, episode on like where to find. Um, 
exchanges where to buy Bitcoin, um, how to store and um, take care of your cryptocurrency once you do obtain it. Uh, but if there's anything else that you may want to add, just um, let us know. The last thing I'll say real quick is just that uh, the the entire purpose of like using like these sites like CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap is to scan the coins that you're thinking about investing in. Um, look at their actual technical uh, aspects like the market cap, which just means the valuation, the value of a certain project um, relative to others. Is it kind of overvalued, undervalued, mispriced? Is there an investment opportunity there? Um, you have to look at the circulating supply of tokens. So um, like how many coins are circulating now and what's the total supply that there ever will be? And is that a huge discrepancy? Meaning if there's a tiny circulating supply relative to the entire supply, then you'll have to look at the token vesting, meaning like um, the, the coins that are put out in circulation, how often does that happen? Because when that usually happens, um, that puts a lot of sell pressure because usually those are uh, like different funding partners that receive those tokens every few months, every few weeks, whatever, depending on that token vesting schedule, they dump on the market. And so you got wrecked, you know? So it's important to use this as a tool to make sound investment decisions, right? Market cap, circulating supply, and total circulating supply, I would say are the three most important metrics when looking at websites like this, when, you, when you're trying to make an investment. Uh, and just really quickly to break it down, market cap is just basically uh, the valuation of something, like I said, right? So, and you arrive at that uh, by multiplying the number of coins in circulation. So the circulating supply by the price. So the reason why, uh, these are like the top 10 coins right here that you're seeing on this website uh, by market cap. The reason why something like Bitcoin can be valued so at like a high price of 56K, but it's worth really 1 trillion by market cap, that's its valuation. And you can have a coin like uh, XRP that's valued at a dollar, but it's worth 50 billion in, by market cap. Is The reason that is, is that uh, there's way more coins, XRP tokens in circulation than there are Bitcoin. There's only 18 million Bitcoin in circulation, whereas XRP has 47 billion. billion. And that's, that's a lot of normies make the mistake of thinking, oh, XRP is a dollar. Wow, look at the discrepancy between that and Bitcoin. That's going to go like 50K, right? It's, it's really never going to do that unless like 30 years happens, <laughs> right? Because of the market. That would be, so be incredible. If, if XRP goes yeah. to 30K, I could just imagine the rest of the market. <laughs> So look at a look at the market cap. That's the most important thing, not the price, not necessarily the price. Yeah. No, it's uh thank thank you, Martin. Um that that totally makes sense to me. I, I think that there's a lot of um and, and we'll go into the, into this in future um episodes, um where you know the, the misconception, right, at times just because the price might be a little bit low at the time or seem low, right? That people might think about it as oh, this is an opportunity um, to, to buy because it's going to go to the moon. Um, so it's just, how do you inform yourself, right? So that you know what really to expect, um, you know, what where do you go from there? Um, so it's just information that we, that we need to make sure that, you know, people are aware of at the same time, right? As they're making their investments um, and, and buying um, some of these coins or tokens, so. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for getting this far into the video. Um, again, we want to thank everyone who's shared or um, like commented on 
any of the, the posts that we've made. Uh, we do appreciate it. So if you could go ahead and share this video as well. Um, I know all of us will appreciate it and we'll continue to provide more videos and hopefully more insight for all of you. Awesome. Bye everyone.